Today on The Wine Club, episode 11, we have Mark Churchill. And I did not realise that one of our first ever guests, Paul Luke, was on Rad. And this is the intro, which I hope that Spotify and Amazon and all the good places where you're listening to this, YouTube, don't take it off. But this, this used to get me going when I was a kid. Used to love watching Rad the Groms tour with Christian Stevenson, Mark Churchill, all the Groms. So today's guest is Mark Churchill. Uh, he now commentates for people such as the Red Bull, the Olympics, uh, world skating in the Olympics. And we have a phenomenal plethora of uh, skateboarding chat with Mark Churchill, absolute hero of mine, as I state many times in this fantastic chat with Mark Churchill. Roll the tape. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yeah. Yes, sir. Hello, welcome to The Wine Club, episode 11. I think I've got that right this time. I didn't in Sean Goffs. Today, we've got an absolute hero of mine. Uh, I've looked up to him since I was about 11 years old and seen him on Rad. Mark Churchill, welcome to The Wine Club. Oh, thank you. Thanks, The Wine Club's great. But firstly, 11 other people have done this already. They've been that stupid. 11 people. Well done. Well done, people. 11 other people? Yeah. You're saying it's episode 11? Ah, yes. Sorry. 11 other people, right? <laughs> shall, I, yeah. shall I come back when, you, when you're in the, in the headspace for this? <laughs> sorry, mate. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm on cloud. I've just had my Spanish lesson, so I am a little bit on cloud nine at the moment. Okay. Uh, I've wanted to put this on Skatewine for ages, uh, and I'm going to go straight into it. The, the story of when I first met you. So I remember seeing you on Rad with Christian Stevenson when I started skateboarding, uh, and you were a massive influence to me when I first started skateboarding and seeing you on telly and the, the humour and the, the overall skateboarding. Uh, it was brilliant. But I remember, do you remember the first time you met me? Let's go straight into it. Do you remember the first time you met me? Yeah, it was at that weird bar under a bridge in Prague, wasn't it? You were wearing the chapless leather trousers, is that right? With the weird cut-out nipple thing? That was you, wasn't it? I knew I was going to get serious answers from you. <laughs> no, it, it uh, wasn't. I mean, uh, there's... No, no, I don't, actually. It was in Skate Rock Park sure. in Barnstable. Right. And I came up okay. to you, I think I must have been about 14. I think I'm about five years younger than you. How old are you at the moment? I'm 45 next month. Oh, shit, you're 10 this years month. on me. No, so next you... month. Yeah. Well, well, happy birthday for next month. No, I look just the picture of you. <laughs> I thought you were younger Whereas than that. Whereas you look like you're half dead. That's weird. <laughs> Maybe I stole some of your years. Thanks for that. No doubt. No doubt about it. But so you must have been about 24, 25. I was like, oh, I just hit my microphone. I was about 13, 14 at the time. And I remember, I remember being like, oh my God, it's Mark Churchill off the TV. And I walked over to you. And, it, and it's funny because when you don't know somebody and you see them in like media, it's quite difficult to just go over and say hello. And I remember finally getting the like energy to go over to you. And I was like, hi, Mark Churchill. I'm Rob Ayton. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> Did you get that a lot when you were doing your tours back when you first started skating? Uh, no, people were generally way cooler than that. 
think that's just you, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Like most people are like, yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah, yeah, you're a bit of a dick. And I'm like, yeah, not a bit of a dick, a lot of a dick. It's funny, Steak came up to me once, Matty, and said that the first time I met him, I clotheslined him at NAS. <laughs> so I think you got you did all right out of it, I think. Yeah, and so... to be and to be fair, I just remember your reaction. You obviously didn't get it that much because your reaction was like, okay, and then you just shook my hand. <laughs> and that was it was like this awkward silence, and then I just walked off. And I was just like, why did one of those things where you're like, why did I say that? I was waiting for you to pull out the little membership club to the Mark Churchill fan club with that you'd made yourself and drawn a picture of yourself on them. Member zero 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 one point one, but you didn't, so it was a bit awkward. Uh, so to start off with, I've been asking everyone this question: If you were a beverage, you're having a, a you know, you're having a beer. What would you describe yourself as as a beverage? As a a beer or just as any drink? Well, I would more specifically like a wine beverage to go in with the wine yeah. club. But whatever you want, mate. I think if it was a wine, it would be a, a, obviously an old wine that had quite a belly on it and uh, had a lot of volume. Um, went on for a lot. You know, it's a long, long bottle. Goes on for a long way. And it just won't shut up. It won't finish. <laughs> and it just keeps going on and on and on. And no matter, you're drinking this bottle and you're like, I've, I can't, I don't want to drink any more of this. Can we just get rid of it? You throw it out the window, you hear it smash, you open the fridge and it's in there. And you're like, oh my God. And you can't stop drinking it. That one. You know that one? I, th I think so, it's yeah. It's a fine, fine vineyard that produces that. <laughs> the Mark Churchill vineyard. Mmm. Drink, drink from that. Now, I haven't actually got any questions written down for you just yet because no. I, as a massive fan of yours, wow. I already have a million questions to go through. But first off, you started skateboarding in Southampton, I believe. Like, how old were you when you started skateboarding? So I was seven, I think, and I saw Back to the Future and I was like, that is what I need to do with my time. Everything else then was just... I was just blinkered to skateboarding. I just pestered my dad. And I think it came out a few months before, before my birthday. And I think my dad got me aboard from a skate shop in Paul. Um, got me like this, like a maple wood board with really small trucks on it. It was almost like a freestyle kind of slalomy board with black kryptonics on it. Um, and a round like tail saver on it it was amazing it was superb it was everything that i wanted so i lived in a, a place called hive which is um on in the new forest it's got the longest operating pier train in the world um and the oldest uh bit of a retirement kind of place one road in one one road out uh not much to do so skateboarding was a good spend of my time it was a good thing to put my effort into instead of just going to the pub and fighting which was another thing i did for a bit but skateboarding <laughs> saved me um so yeah it 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 was quite tough in the new forest the the ground wasn't great um and especially in an old kind of place retirement place like you know you get, get a lot of shit from people old people but i would just turn it around and just 
use humor to get away with whatever i would just be like right this is my time to almost humiliate people by just running rings around them with humor and just just talk shit at them and they'd just be like this kid's obviously got something wrong with him so you know that that was kind of the blend of of everything i was really small as well i was a lot smaller than everyone else um so i had to use that kind of stuff to be able to get away with stuff and just be cheeky and they'd be like oh it's cheeky churchill he's, he's all right so yeah just started skating my brother was already skating at the time um and you know he got really good really quick but sort of was in and out um whereas i stayed with it for for quite a long time but it was a while until i got into southampton and saw real skating i mean we saw some videos and had magazines and things like that but you're talking what 80s so yeah 87 86 or something like that so uh, you know there wasn't yeah. that far out of much to find um you had to find someone who were already skated so a few people were in and out of town that were older that could obtain things so i would see videos like gns footage and things like that and i'd just be like what on earth are they doing on those handrails like what what is what are these tricks it blew me away and uh, it was something you know it's about the only thing i've stuck with to be honest my whole life and what was your local park then if you were, was there a park in hive no nah, nothing there was nothing we had some wooden benches um there was a curb outside of Waitrose that we waxed up. It was a really grindy curb already, but we waxed it up and we'd just try and do the longest slapping nose slides we could. Um, the floor was like bricks, you know, like herringbone bricks. Um, so it wasn't that smooth. There'd be the odd paving slabs around, but that would be only after hours outside of Waitrose. And yeah, we just adapted to what there was. Um, the local hospital to me, just at the top of my road had like some grass gaps and, like little extended sort of speed bumps that you could use as a mani pad, but yeah, there wasn't really anything. We would get like no gas tubes and chocks of wood and screw them in and make board slide like pipes, and you know that was our rail. Um, get some scaffold tubes and screw them to a bit of wood and then put them on bricks, and you'd land a trick and then it'd fall over. You'd have to stop, set it all back up for the next person. They'd knock it all over, and it's just a complete pain in the ass. But it was you just adapt and I think that's what's great about skateboarding is it doesn't matter what's around you you know you, you just use what is there whether it be your shed or your little local abandoned bit of concrete like joe or you know some old strip outside of an old people's home that's that's what i would do you know and that's i think everyone's got that story it's not a unique story like everyone's had something it's 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 only like sort of the last 10, 15 years, especially in the UK, that you could grow up at a skate park because there is yeah. a skate park. You know, there might have been an old freestyle or rare unit or something ramp that was somewhere. Um, we had a few freestyle little mini ramps, like three and four foot extensions like that they had everywhere around the, the world or the country. But that was about it. But, yeah, I didn't really skate any ramps or anything for a long time. Um, yeah. And then... I think some guys built a ramp in their back garden and I never skated it. I saw it. And then, cause it was the, there was a play field that backed onto it. So I could look over and be like, wow, look at that ramp, like proper little skate, but never skated it. But then I think there was the big Apple skate club, which was run by some older guys. And it was at the local Applemore sports center. 
and they would do little scans and that, and they got a mini ramp in the end. I think the council got it off of those guys out of their garden, um, put a metal surface on it, and um, yeah, that was like our only ramp in the middle of nowhere. And then one day there was the legend that Greg Noick came down and skated it, but I missed it. And I was like, wow, never, never, never knew that he would come this far afield to skate a ramp. Um, I remember I got I got in some pretty bad trouble at school and I had to have a deal that wasn't expelled and I was actually suspended for two weeks and I went and skated that ramp every day and my mates would be like in the science block or maths and look out and I'd just be skating the ramp every day and everyone's like what the hell like I was the only kid in school that could take his board to school no one would stop me I'd be like bomb the hill to school straight down into school ball in the lock before they'd even caught up with me I'm walking off like it was great so yeah just couldn't stop doing it couldn't stop doing it it was nuts that is it surprises me how similar like your I guess your upbringing within skateboarding is to mine being from Biddyford again like middle of nowhere full of old people um and and similarly I mean I never got expelled but similarly I was always skating at the skate park because we were lucky that we did have a skate park when was it? When was it? When you went from you know skating hive, uh, skating these mini ramps, to then your first sponsorship, and who was your first sponsor? Wow, that's a tough one. So I mean, I started as soon as I could get enough money to get the bus into Southampton because it was a good hour. Um, I would get the bus into town and on like a Sunday because that was back when everything was shut on a Sunday, so you could go in the multi-story car parks you could go down the high street and there was steps in southampton high street at the time and and i started bumping into people um and getting to know people and started going traveling to places with that crew there was a a guy called simon blundell and jason short who were like the first two people i met in southampton in the in the bbc car park at the bottom and um yeah they sort of took me in kind of thing and uh I would go skating with them and meet up with them there and then met the rest of the crew like Shaky Bakes, Neil Baker and all people like that. And there was a real tight crew in Southampton, a good motivated crew that wanted to go and do shit. Um, and we would travel a lot. And then when I met Greg, he was uh, like Shaky Bakes would drive us to Radland, places like that. Um, and then Greg was always up for driving places, probably shouldn't have been, but he would. <laughs> And uh, we would travel everywhere. You know, we'd, we'd drive to Burnley for six and a half, seven hours to skate for three and then drive home for five hours. Wow. You know, that that was a standard Saturday, you know. And, and Don Bryder, Mike Tudor and Stiffin and all the kind of generation above Greg's generation, all the originals, if you don't know who Don Bryder is, look him up online and see the innovator of skateboard style in the UK. And, Shout out Don Bryder. Uh, yeah, he's just an absolute legend. Miserable shit, but fantastic. We love him. Um, and, uh, yeah, they all travelled. They all did things. You know, they went Scotland, Burnley, Manchester, wherever. They went to whatever was going on. And um, I remember I'd be at, at Wakefield on a youth club visit and because uh, the local Hyde Youth Club used to arrange visits so I would go with them in a mini bus and we'd go to skate parks because that's what everyone wanted to do and I'd turn up at those and Mike Tudor and Ryder and Nigel Page and people were were there They'd just be like oh you're right we're like no way these are all like the old dudes and they're everywhere I go 
was amazing, especially like Radlands and and knowing a lot of those people um, was good because you'd go to Radlands and you'd see the legends of British skateboarding absolutely smashing it. I'd just be stood there holding my board too scared to skate, just like, oh. And then like, say, Dave Allen would just come and sit down next to you and be like, you're right, mate. And you're just like, oh my God, what is going on? It's like, yeah, I mean, after going towards the thing, it's so much stuff and I, I didn't have any sponsors. I just, you know, would just try and make a board last as long as I could. And um, I was working a little bit, doing some washing up and stuff like that so I could afford a board every now and then, like washing up at the local pub, but I'd spend most of the wages at the bar. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like, you know, a board has always been the same price as it is now. Well, maybe not now, it's gone up for the first time ever. So boards are always the same price, but wages were obviously a lot lower back then. So it was pretty hefty to buy a board. You know, a setup was out of the question. You know, you'd have to wait for trucks and wheels for Christmas. And then the next Christmas you'd get maybe a board. And then the next Christmas you'd maybe get another set of wheels or something. So, you know, you had to make everything last or beg, borrow or steal or trade whatever you have to get a new board. But I would go through all, all everybody's old boards and stuff like that. And, yeah, I started traveling around and doing all little bits and bobs. And then I was in Man- uh, no, I was in Newcastle, and my friend Ian Taylor was up there. And this comp- this shop, I don't even know how it happened, but um, Wilderness Ways. They gave me a hat and a deck. I think it was like a Musker deck, and that was like my first sponsor. I don't think I ever got anything else off of them or ever spoke to them, but. There was like a mini ramp demo and I just skated this mini ramp and yeah, just did that and got and got that stuff. So I guess that was like my first thing. But other than that, um, I was on rookie skateboards for a little while, direct from New York. Um, how from how old were you? His with distribution. This is late teens. Yeah, mid mid to late teens. Yeah, late okay. teens. So I started doing rad and started... Um, doing bits and bobs on TV, you know, around that time. So whether anyone liked it or not, I was around. And I remember I would shoot Rad and then it was like, cool, they've paid for my train fare to come up to London. Um, and I would always get it so that it was skate night at PlayStation at the time, Bay 66. Um, so I would go skate. You know, that would be, like, I'd shoot Rad, be like, yeah, cool, we've done how, a TV show, whatever. How did Rad and now how did Rad skate? And that was what I wanted to do. Um, I was at a comp in Germany, and Christian was there, and I was just messing around. It was in a velodrome, and I was just in the velodrome, messing around, just being me, just being an idiot, and he took a shine to me, and we ended up having the same flight back to London, um, we got on the tube back from Heathrow and, uh, I remember where every time we went through a tunnel, we would pretend to surf, so we'd like <laughs> jump on the seats or stand up and we'd be like, like really overdramatic morons, still hung over probably. And, um, yeah, back and he, he, he said, oh, I'm, I'm the team manager for vans. I'd like to give you some vans. And I was like, cool. Thinking it's just like one pair of vans. And he's like, oh, let me have your address and everything and phone number. And then he sorted me out with a pair of, I got some black fair lanes and I was just so blown away. I was like, oh my God, it's like, this is a dream come true. Um, I couldn't afford vans back then. I couldn't afford anything. And um, then 
he asked me to go to London to shoot a pilot for a TV show. And he said, oh, we want you to teach a trick, an Ollie or something like that. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went to London, met them at Liverpool Street, shot this thing, went home, a hundred pounds to do it. And I was like, boom, I can get into town and go skating for a couple of weeks now. Like I can afford to buy some food of some sort, probably a can of nourishment or something, <laughs> like living off that, nothing. So I was like, cool. Completely sort of unaware of what I was doing. Like I had no idea the importance of any of my actions. And I think that's probably why I ended up doing them because I was quite blasé and I was, I wouldn't be like, Oh, hello. Welcome to rat. Like I'd just be like an idiot from the new forest. So, um, and I think that's what they wanted. They wanted just a, a genuine sort of person who was into skating. So, uh, one day he phoned me up or yeah, someone phoned me up. I don't know if it was Bob, um, Callway, who was the director at the time or Christian, but they were like, we've won the, the TV show. We've, we've won the best, um, pilot and they want to wow. give us a series. And I was like, no way. That's so good. Congratulations. Like, that's great. You know, I'm really happy for you guys. Um, you know, if you need anything in the future, let me know. Like, stoked for you guys thinking what well, you phoned up to just gloat like gnarly and they were like no you're going to be a presenter and i'm like <laughs> what like i have i i'm not a presenter like they were like no you're going to be doing the tricks every week and i was like uh wow. they're like do you want to do it and i'm like uh, can i get back to you i don't know what i said i think i blanked out at that point but i still didn't really realize it until when channel five launched because it was before channel five it's a yeah, channel yeah, yeah. five launched and it was on there i was like whoa i'm on the telly like that's nuts um and it was weird and then yeah we started filming it and i'd get recognized and all sorts of weird things and then yeah well, it kind of hindered a few things i think yeah, just there. I remember this one time in this skate park in the middle of nowhere. Way, <laughs> this kid came up to me, number one fan. I think I spat on him and then just crushed him <laughs> into the floor like a fag bird. It's exactly how I remember it. Um, I think I think doing rad hindered me a little bit because I think people were like, "Who's this guy? He's come out of nowhere, um, been involved in nothing, and now he's presenting this TV show." There's all these other people that are more accomplished skateboarders that could do it. Yes, like, why yes. is this guy doing it? And I was asking those questions as well. Like, I'd be like, why am I doing this? This is weird. Um, but I think just before that, going back to sponsors, uh, Chris at Offbeat Sports, I would constantly be in Offbeat. If it rained, we'd be in there watching videos. Um, it was the hub, you know, like like most skate parks, skater owned skate uh, skate shops. He wasn't a skater, but he was an XM uh, motocross rider. Um, I think he was the first person in the country to give away free grip tape with a board. Um, so sorry, all the skate shops that now have to do that. But I think he was a, a pioneer in skate shops. I think he was like the second oldest one in the country before he closed the doors next to Surrey Skates or maybe even the skate shop. I don't know, but. Um, he, I'd, I'd be in there all the time and I'd try and blag boards off of him and like he'd always do me discounts and stuff like that, but he didn't have a team. So 
he mentioned to Chris at Shiner uh, about me. And then one day I went in and he said, Chris said, put a sponsor me tape together. So I put this terrible sponsor me tape together of me skating around Southampton. And um, in, in this, yeah, in this Chris was into me it. In this sponsor tape, me. did you put any of your humor like we see in Rat? No, just, just skate. Just pure 100% shredding. <laughs> I think there was maybe, I think maybe, I can't remember if it was in that one, but there might have been another one where there's a woman telling me off for skating this marble fountain in Hyde Marina. And she's like having a go at me and I give her a load of jip. But I'm not sure if that, I think that was in it. Maybe not. So yeah, he liked it. And um, I had a phone call with him and he, he said, yeah, we want to give you um, Santa Cruz skateboards. And I was just like, what? Like completely blown away. And, I, and then he went and crutch trucks. <laughs> and the wheel. And Rufy grip tape, Rufy's grip tape. And I was like, what? And he's like, of course, we'll probably give you some bones Swiss or something, fixing bolts and everything, and all the clothing you need as well. And I was just like, no um, this is insane. And then this box turned up and I just was just, oh, my God. And then that box turned up every month for years. And it was in, it was bonkers, absolutely bonkers. So, yeah, yeah. that that was Prop, the proper first sponsor was probably the best sponsor I could possibly ask for. And I mean, Shiner have been so good to me over the years. They've really looked after me. And, you know, as they do with, with all their riders, like, you know, you're on Shiner for life, really. So, you know, they, they've evolved with current times and they, they do things slightly differently now. And they've obviously moved on to bigger and better things and, and still really smashing it in the, in the skate distribution stuff. And, things are slightly different but the core values are still there which is which is great yeah you're, awesome. you're so humble i think that when you say about christian stevenson first seeing you in germany uh and i remember when i was at sls in 2019 before we had the pandemic and i was running through a few things that i was going to try and do whilst i was there with my skate wine stuff and you were just coming up with ideas left right and center and i think that one thing you're being very humble about is your character and your ability to have quick wit is 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 amazing and you're also a part of that generation of when we had jackass and dirty sanchez and i think that that for me that was really really inspiring in that it wasn't just you know niger houston doing nolly heel flip lip slide down a 20 stair it was like hang on a second skateboarding's got some character too so i think you're being quite humble in the mm. fact that you know your your skateboarding ability was insane too but you also you're also this this character uh, which you still are, and you've gone on to bigger and better things. And it's it, it amazes me. I didn't know the story. It amazes me how something as, as small as just seeing Christian Stevenson, I mean, it's not small, but seeing someone like Christian Stevenson in Germany and how it's, like, developed your life as someone who's a fan of yours, how it's, like, changed your life. Uh, was, was, Rad, yeah. was Rad done with um, Andy Evans then? Because I've got Andy Evans noted down. When did you first meet so, Andy Evans? Uh... Rad had run maybe two series, maybe three series or something like that. And then they said they're bringing in this other guy to do some other things. And um, I was like, I wonder what this guy's going to be like. And a new person that's part of this really tight little crew that we had, you know, it was only four of us or something, you know. We started off in the sharing an office as well. Like we shared an office with Lee Francis as well from... Um, 
I think they're having a mind blank. Bo Selector and stuff like that. So the main dude from that, I used to sit next to him. And it's funny because me and Evans would film sketches with me dressed up as, I would dress up as people. <laughs> so, wow. What's the name? Craig David. That's it. Craig so David. Both we would share an office. We, yeah. So we, we were sharing an office with Lee Francis that did Bo Selector. And, you know, it was a very small thing. And I would be dressing up as Craig David and doing sketches and things. And then he went on and that was one of his main characters. So, I don't know. Hopefully I planted a little seed there you know but this came along uh like halfway through everything and um it changed the whole dynamic of everything he actually thought i was a complete prick at first <laughs> and had made preconceptions and he profusely apologizes for this he thought he was going to meet this absolute tool uh i mean i mean in <laughs> one way he did but he um he he had preconceptions of what I was like and then rapidly was like, no, this guy's just a, a moron. Like he's just doing his thing. Like he's just a normal skate rat, you know, possibly bigger skate rat than most. And um, the shit we used to talk about and the silly things that we'd come up with, but I hadn't realized that he'd done as if, which was one of my favorite videos at the time featured Vaughn Baker and like, a, a massive amount of people from down Worthing and Brighton way up in Birmingham and all around there. So this is Andy it was Evans. like, you know, he'd yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He'd made this, this video. So I don't know if he'd use that as a show reel to, to get the job or whatever. Um, but I didn't realize that. And once I realized that I was like, no way, this is the dude that made this video that I love and that I find really humorous. And I take some of what, I like to bring across from that already. So it was all like already like we were communicating in the ether somehow before we'd even met. But then, um, yeah, he, he, we would film all the rads. We'd just, we'd get, you know, taxis around getting Addison Lee or whatever from this, from the production place. Um, we'd go off and find something to Wally or a rail to board slide and, and do lessons of how to do things or, you know, then it evolved into doing loads and loads of different things. Like I ended up doing a mountain rock bike race down a, a volcano at one point um, in uh, in the middle of the ocean in Reunion Island. Um, you know, lawnmower racing, toe wrestling, all these crazy <laughs> things. We'd just go off and film all this nuts stuff. And people were loving it. They were just like, this is great. Like At the time, we're like, what are we doing? Is, this, is anyone going to watch this? anyone interested in this but then um yeah me and evans were just making crazy shit all the time and it was just so much fun just making props filming silly things like the whole intro to um the the search for the golden rail and and stuff like that like it was just i don't know it, it just all of that you know it's made out of loo rolls <laughs> like it was brilliant but it's on mainstream tv and people are loving it so like, it, it was almost like we were just messing around and people were paying us. It was great. The pay was terrible, um, but it was, it was you know, we were able to do stuff. And I don't know, it felt like we were maybe picking up where other people had left off or where they kind of hadn't reached because we were putting skateboarding on mainstream TV, where yes. at that time there was nothing really. Yeah. See the odd special maybe here and there. 
um, or it'd appear on one of the breakfast TV shows. You might see Sue Hazel doing some freestyle or something before, um, you know, and that, and that would be about it, but there was nothing that was weekly. There was nothing that was kind of a standard staple thing that would come up. So, you know, and, and we had a new director, Wayne Yates, who was amazing. Um, he had these terrible little extreme bungee shorts, which we bullied him into buying some flip gold label uh, cargo shorts. But yeah, he, he was a legend. Um, South African do- dude who just got it. He he knew our humour and he knew exactly what it was that made it, made it good for us as well as for people watching. So he would, you know, we'd get scripts but they wouldn't be written scripts they'd be like hey if you can say something along the lines of this in the way that you do it so it was really loose and it was great and you know sort of watching christian work and the way that he would go around things when we were doing the links together to camera like beginning a show and messing around and doing stuff it was really cool because you know i get i got to learn from him and and see how he approached the industry and stuff and yeah, I was just like, okay, cool. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, and this is how I could do it. I mean, it was like doing job work experience, but, but as a TV presenter, it was weird. It's, but yeah, like bonkers, absolutely bonkers. So yeah, I met Andy Evans, but he he w- then was shooting all of his new videos. So he started doing this and that, and straight to video, and all these different things, and just naturally, I would end up being in these things and we would meet up all the time and film or go and do something with rad. Like we went to, we film loads of stuff at, at rad uh, for rad, but then loads of the footage from that, that we either did or didn't use in the, in the TV thing went into the video. So we were like building a video section the whole time we were filming rad anyway. So yeah, it was great. It was, it was awesome. And we just got to do the most ridiculous stuff and, he would just, you know, I always use a hashtag, Andy Evans made me do it whenever I put up footage because he's just, <laughs> you'd be in the middle of Piccadilly Circus dressed absolutely insanely and he'd still manage to make you do the most ridiculous thing. And you got like 240 tourists all just taking photos and wondering what you're doing and you're just like, oh my God, I'm in a tutu. What am I doing? Why am I here? You know, that kind of thing. But it's Andy Evans. So, of course, you know, if he makes the call, you answer the phone and you do it. It's like if the Dons phones you, Don Bright, if he phones you, you answer that phone. If you don't answer it, he's coming round to focus you've, your board. You've brought it back. <laughs> you've brought back weirdly vivid memories of when I'd started skateboarding. I had Rad and I try and, if I'd missed them, I'd try and tape them on VHS. I'm really showing my age now. And the other one that uh, was weekly, but it was at four o'clock in the morning was, um, I think it was X Games or something along those lines. And that's what I never did actually get fully into vert skateboarding, but that's what really inspired me to want to skate vert is seeing that, you know, I was recording them at 4am, you'd set the timer on the VHS recorder and then you'd get the half. One too many, go round again. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully there wouldn't be something dodgy after the nine nine o'clock watershed period. Um, What was your, what was your favourite rad experience then? Whilst you were doing rad, wow, that's a tough one. I mean, it was all amazing. It was just, just all of it was great. I mean, we went to X Games, and I remember meeting Tim Broch, um, Jai Bondera. Of saw Sheckler was there, but he was like, I think he'd just come out of his dad's penis, so he's a bit bigger <laughs> than that. 
and he was just flying around all over the course. And I just said, whoa, who's this kid? Um, but Tim came up to me and then I, I spoke to him and he knew Chris really well from Shiner and all these people. So sort of, I, I said, oh, I'm on Santa Cruz Skateboards as well. And I'm a big fan of yours, like fanned out and everything. And he was super cool. And he's like, hey, you should meet my friend Jaya. So I spoke to him for a while and we just, they were passing me drinks and stuff because I wasn't quite allowed in the bit where they were. And yeah, just just seeing everyone there, like, and watching the finals there. I think Custom was there and loads of other people and being able to see a real American competition that was that large scale. Um, yes and the crowds and you know like the cameras on zip lines and all of that that was maybe not the time but one of the most overwhelming full like frontal introductions to american or worldwide skateboard competitions just like whoa this is nuts this is chris ince is not naked anywhere and drunk there's <laughs> people taking this really seriously like this isn't radland this is like big times so, yeah so going to the states was good um but i don't know like sort of a collective of a few of them just going off and shooting these missions with with evans whether it be going to livy and meeting people like sprocket and stuff like that it's, it's almost like there's a a little bit from a load of those episodes that would make one best thing you know so yeah just just that and going to like tv times and radio times parties and weird stuff like that in london where i'd just be like this is weird. And then I went to the BAFTAs as well, which was nuts. So, <laughs> yeah, drank some champagne with some EastEnders cast. And, yeah, just did some really, really crazy stuff for a young kid from the New Forest to do at such a young age. So, yeah, like all of those things would make one best experience, I think. Couldn't just put my finger on one thing. How old were you when you did, Brad? What was the age that you were and it, when you started it and when it, when it uh, eventually finished? I don't know. I want to say maybe 18 to maybe 20-something, early 20s, maybe. Something like that. Oh, yeah. wow, you were super young then. Yeah, yeah, really young. Wow. Yeah, really, really young. So maybe, uh, maybe 20 to something. But yeah, really young. Really young. And I mean... Yeah, <laughs> if they'd known what I'd been up to as a, a younger person, they probably wouldn't have had me in the same room as some of them. But yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was great. A similar question, uh, but slightly different. What was your favourite episode, if you remember one specifically? Um, maybe the first search for the Holy Rail think just purely because i think it was the first time i'd seen the opening title sequence with me dressed as indiana jones and running away from this like just like the wall and getting my hat and when we're getting my board or something like under the wall and then it hitting my arm a load of times and all of that i remember thinking then like this is nuts that we've been allowed to do this and they put it on tv and nobody's complaining like yeah, like uh, probably that one because that was like a pinnacle of what can we get away with with the very small budget we've got and the limited things that we have around us, like literally in cupboards with 
super expensive lights with jellies on to make it look all mysterious and fake cobwebs and stuff and crawling around behind bookcases and yeah going to local like in, like just off the piccadilly going to like the fancy dress shop and just getting ridiculous outfits like indiana jones and coming back and filming and doing all the stuff like when we when i finally saw that because it was hard for me to see what evans's vision was like i obviously went along with it because i knew it was going to be good and they'd obviously discussed it but it's quite hard when you're doing something to be able to see what the end product is until you see it. So I remember seeing it going, no way this is either going to be go down really well or people are going to hate it, but I love it. Right. So I think that was probably the first one of those was probably the best one. And who's been your inspiration for your humor? Because as a fan, I absolutely love your humor, Christian Stevenson's Andy Evans. So who was your inspiration going into rad as you know, as you say, like a, a fresh newbie to like the TV scene, basically. Well, I think my parents have always been humorous. Like my mum would always literally laugh and take the mick out of everything. My dad is just a joker, tells like the worst jokes and just messes around, you know. And during the recession back in the 80s, when it was tough, they still managed to have a laugh. And... um you know, we would watch the two Ronnies, we would watch Monty Python, we would watch all those old school comedians that did slapstick, tongue-in-cheek, silly things. And I just remember, like, if I did something silly, people would laugh at it. And if I said something silly, people would laugh at it and I would get a reaction. And people want reactions as, as human beings. You want to do well or you want to provide some sort of humor or some sort of service to people, I suppose, in a way, but yeah, all, all of that stuff. But then seeing people like say, I don't know, Simon Woodstock and stuff like that. And, and people who weren't taking skateboarding so seriously, who would mess around and, and do silly things. I would kind of resonate and be drawn towards those people. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a bit of what I'm after. So, you know, and as a, as a kid skating at first, I'd try and emulate not only the tricks, but what how people were and the jokes people would tell and the things they would do, you know. So I kind of, through aping everyone, developed my own sort of way of doing things and people seemed to like it. So it would go along. And I think as that evolved, it became more dry and a little bit more, sophisticated and refined uh, refined maybe so that it'd be a little bit more that people wouldn't really know whether you were taking the piss or not yeah and people would be like uh are you gonna hit me or are you taking the piss and i'd be like of course i'm taking the piss like and i i think that was quite a quite a funny thing to play with um but yeah just be like let's just be as biggest dicks as we can and that that would be what would make it on film or what we would do. You know, we would always be doing jackass style kind of stuff, you know, like from say big brother, um, you know, shit and boob and stuff like that, you know, Dave Carney stuff and all of that pre um, jackass stuff. Like we were doing things similar to that, maybe not as extreme, but we would do silly things like fall over in front of people and just shout in the, in the shopping center and, you know, just do silly things, spill drinks and, you know, whatever, like make make a kind of mockery of yourself, but also 
peacocking in a way of like everyone look at me that kind of attention seeking bullshit that people hide but they love but it would be very much like that kind of thing so i think yeah through through seeing humorous skateboarders and from growing up on 80s comedy that's where my kind of sense of humor has been molded you know because skateboarding is a fine line you've got so many different levels like nowadays anything goes but back you know mid to late 90s early 2000s everything was pretty serious back then there wasn't that much room for maybe what we were doing but i think in a way like my comedy and uh, that kind of style it's not like i'm a comic but like the way i would fuck around and and do silly things and me and evans would be doing all these stupid things it's almost like my skating was slightly the opposite of that i would just be trying to gap out onto a, a rail or do a handrail in the streets and and doing all these things so i was like my skateboarding was talking first to the skateboarders and then the other stupid stuff i was doing was maybe resonating with a another bunch of idiots that were equally as important to me as the peers were that I was trying to impress or was trying to stay up with or, 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 you know, trying to gain the skills of, you know, and then meeting people like Danny Wainwright, like I was such a fan out. Like he, he probably doesn't even know. I lost my mind when I first met him and, you know, we're really good friends now. Like it's, it's a strange thing, but he's got a very dark sense of humor that I get on with as well. And we get it. You know, you know, when you're sort of with a friend and there'll be an oddball walking a few people away and they walk past and you just look at each other and start laughing. You know, 100% you're laughing about the same thing. <laughs> you're laughing about like exactly the same thing. You don't even need to say it. You could never say it. And you know, like Danny's kind of like that. And a, a lot of my friends are like that, like Shaky Bakes. We'd laugh about people's ridiculous footwear and send each other pictures of shoes and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I think when you're when you have that way of looking at the world, anyone else who looks at the world that way is almost like an, an immediate family member, if you know what I mean. Like you're like, oh, you're a dick as well. You should definitely hang out with us dicks. Like and, and you do. Like, so you sort of fit into these little pockets of skateboarders. You've got like a load of Liverpudly and gnarly dudes who are spitting on each other and doing crazy stuff at a thousand miles an hour. And you're like, yeah, they're gnarly, they're not into to what we're into and then you've got these guys that are super tech and they're wearing big baggy stuff over here and there's us guys just fucking around we don't really fit in anywhere we kind of skate a little bit like that and a bit of that but we're just uncool we're not cool enough to hang out in those groups and i think the the humor side of it can build bridges between all of it i think i hope oh, so see sure definitely what happened once rad finished then Rad finished what in the early two thousands? Yeah, Rad Rad finished. They wanted to do the um, Australia Groms tour, yes. so they wanted to go there, but they didn't want to pay me to do it. They just wanted to give me expenses. Um, I should have done it in hindsight, but I was kind of like, I don't, I'm not going to work for free, um, so I'm not going to go. And I stood on my ground and just said no, and that kind of because I was doing both like I, I would I was getting a lot of skating done but I wasn't skating wasn't like it was almost like a, a thing that was running parallel with doing rad being a 
a TV presenter. And it kind of gave me a new sort of direction with skating. And that became my main priority then. It was like, okay, Rad's over. I went and started working in a card shop in the shopping centre and just skated. So I went from a TV presenter to a card shop, working in a card shop. Um, what card shop? What card you know, shop was uh, it? Carlton Cards? Athena. 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 Okay. So you know where you could get the poster of the girl with the bum hanging out with the tennis ball and the tennis racket, that 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 kind of place, or like a really nice, legit, soft focus line picture <laughs> like, like you need in your life. You could also buy like a little squeezy pig that would go make noises or whatever, but or like a, maybe a key ring of a penis or something, you know, or a boob. <laughs> so I like that kind of place where you just buy utter shit that you put in a drawer and just regret spending. But yeah, I worked there, like there were some problems at home, so I needed to go and get a job and help contribute. So um, I did that. I just went from a TV presenter to working there and I just skated. My priority was just skating. And um, that's when things changed. And it, I think it kind of, maybe I became a legitimate skateboarder, not a skateboarder that maybe people saw was living on the coattails of being a TV presenter. Right. Um, and I felt like I maybe had something to prove as well. So not doing rad anymore kind of gave me this kick up the arse to do more with my skating. And um, yeah, I was just going everywhere with Greg, um, Neil and all the dudes from Southampton. And then, started going on other tours, uh, you know, doing other things. I'd already met Munson and Carl Wilson and um, a few other people at the time, Ben Ramers at the time. And we started going to the States, like on a yearly pilgrimage to, to like the Pacific Northwest. So whether we'd start in Seattle and go up to Portland or Orcas Island or whatever, we were doing that. We'd shoot like Vans adverts and film little edits and do stuff. And then I remember I filmed something with Greg and, Jerome and everyone and then we sent that footage to Andy Evans and he made an edit out of it for Vans yes. I think and put it up online and like so it was there was like still a connection there and we everybody was still doing things and you know but it was like I really didn't care about anything other than going and bettering myself at skateboarding at that point there was nothing in the world like everything had sort of fallen away so Rad had gone my girlfriend at the time had gone. Um, home life wasn't great. And I was kind of couch surfing at the time and back and forward to my dad's in Hyde still. And um, I just was like, right, skateboarding, this is where I need to be. It sort of took it back to where I began with skateboarding to get away from other issues that I didn't really want to deal with at the time or other other feelings of loss or whatever skateboarding would replace that with the feeling of doing a trick or you know, that whole psychology of you're not, you know, I always say to people, people are like, I'll be having the worst stressful time. Um, and you drop in, say in a bowl or whatever, you ain't got time to think about what's going on. You're yes. thinking about the next wall come out, what trick you're going to do and stuff. So it's a really good escapism from other things that are going on. So I was kind of suffering a bit of loss and I just pumped everything into skateboarding and, and yeah, it just went from strength to strength and yeah, just started properly going for it and uh, i think i had a lot of anger towards a lot of things in the world at that time as well so yeah i was just like taking everything out on skateboarding and and punishing my body and just sort of just being like right what's next like handrail let's go 
let's go and try and ollie down this big double set. Let's go and do this. Let's go and do this, you know, and just try and do what I could. Um, yeah, and that's, that's where I went for like the next 10 years or something. That was what I was doing. I think that's something that maybe some people, well, a lot of people can't appreciate is going from something like meeting Christian Church, uh, Christian Churchill, your Mark Churchill, Christian Stevenson, to being a presenter on the TV, and then you've gone to working in a card shop. That must have been quite difficult for you, like, like you're mentally. Yeah, it was gnarly. People would come in and be like, are you that guy off Channel 5? I'd be like, yeah. They're like, oh. And like my colleagues didn't know. Some of them just weren't from that world. And they'd, they'd, they'd be like, what? And then, then they found out, they were like, why are you working here? And stuff like that. It was a bit weird because it was just like, hard. well, I need money. Um, but I don't care also. Like, like if you need money, you need to work. And yes, a job is a job. You know, suck it up. Get on with it. You know, like. What, what are you above going and working somewhere like exactly. whatever just get on with it like if you need to go and dig graves go and dig graves if you need to stack shelves stack shelves if you need to work on a till in a card shop counting cards that's what you do like you've got to pay the bills the mortgage needed paying at home and you know you know you got to get on and do stuff so yeah you just you just jump in and do whatever and and it was it was almost like that was a uh, a life before that i'd already lived and it was kind of almost put to one side or put to bed and I was like right skateboarding is my thing now and I just need money to go skateboarding um and to drink um go out on the weekends and drink with my mates and have a laugh so yeah like that was where it was at and I mean we me and Evans filmed some really good stuff and just went on and did that and it was almost like going to work in the card shop was eight hours of whatever because the payoff was so much better Yes. going skateboarding it didn't matter what this bit here was because i wasn't focused here i was focused here and on the bigger picture and moving forward so you know it was you know everything's always been about skateboarding and what what i could do from it and with it you know and pretty much everything i've done has been skateboarding you know i worked as a, a sign writer when i left school was working as a someone washing up in the local pub then I was a TV presenter, then I did that. But then, you know, everything else has kind of been because of skateboarding or around skateboarding. So, it. yeah, it's just go forward. It's a solid mindset that you've got. And I, I don't think every human being possesses that mindset. And it's, it's incredible that you, you know, you might not see it, but you bounce back from that. And I, I, it brings me on nicely to how you developed from being in that spot to now, you know, you've been presenting for Vans and the Olympics. Um, well, I, I was in there and, and at the card shop and obviously I was going to Offbeat on my lunch breaks and spoke to all of those guys, which is Offbeat Sports, the local skate shop. And James was leaving there. A good friend of mine, James Humphreys, is an absolute legend. He was leaving there and going on. So I applied for his job and sort of begged and pleaded to get his job. And I said, I'll do it for the same money that I'm getting at um, Athena because I'd worked out what my what I needed to pay the bills and everything at that time. So um, I just went to there and, and was working there. Then when that was for a good few years, so that was amazing, setting up boards for people, building BMXs, you know, doing everything, like getting people on good first setups instead of these cheap rubbish ones that you can buy from chain stores. Yes. Like going, look, yeah. 
okay, this is a little bit more expensive, but the experience you get from this will keep you skateboarding. If you get one of the cheaper ones, you're not going to bother because it's not even really a skateboard. So being able to do that and and push skateboarding harder from, from a skate shop side of things was almost like, cool, I'm contributing again towards skateboarding. I feel like I'm worthy again or I've got a purpose again. So I was doing that and I loved working there. And another good friend of mine, Dave Mentz, who was um, my colleague there, he, he was just a laugh and we would have so much fun. And obviously Don would be in most days. He would be dropping off stickers or posting stuff or getting screens, <laughs> uh, the graphics made up and stuff. So he'd always be in, like, oh, you're right. And we'd be like, Don's, you're right. And yeah, he was always a ray of dark sunshine every day. And it was just really good fun. I mean, skate working in a skate shop is different than working in any other place ever. You know, the the social side of it, the frustration of it, the all, all parts of it, you know, it was amazing. But when Chris finally said, look, we're going to close the doors, um, a chain store had opened up as a Christmas uh, pop-up in one of the shopping centres in Southampton and then they stayed and they just undercut the, the, that so the, the skate around or like the proper core skate shop just couldn't survive so he pulled the plug but at that point um, I got asked to design some skate parks for Gravity which I started doing and they gave me a job which then gave me further funding to do more stuff um, and then yeah, I went, I was doing demos for vans in Newquay. So go and do like the odd East Pack thing, just sort of gate crash that and go off with them and do some dates. And then uh, got asked to go and skate the East Pack ramp at Newquay at Boardmasters oh, yes. when it was on the beach. So I did that for a few years with uh, Ronnie Callow and Blackwell and everyone like that and people I knew anyway. And then... Um, I one year they they had the vert ramp there and I think Bob had done something naughty and wasn't asked to come back and Powley asked me to MC it with Wingy. So I hadn't done really any MCing at that time. So I remember I just had a couple of pints and got stuck in and it was Wingy. So we just had to banter and just messed around and everyone was like, that was really good. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. You're just saying some nice things, not make me feel bad. And then they asked me back. And then they kept asking me back. And then I was doing it on my own. And then other people started asking me to MC stuff. Like I'd go to ISPO in Germany and do stuff. And Pauli had me MC like all of his things as well. Amazing. And yeah, I just started doing that. And then people were like, hey, can you come and do like the audio part of this event? We're going to be showing the footage you won't be on camera but can you mc it as a as a live webcast basically so i started doing that stuff and then i remember red bull took on bowl rippers and they said we want you to present on it so i started doing that and there was a number of other little things that i do on camera and i don't know it just suddenly went boom like you're now going to do loads and loads of stuff so i was doing mystic cup like that's a gnarly one, Mystic Cup. They just keep bringing you trays of beers and <laughs> all the food you want. And Mystic they just Cup. say, that's do Copen whatever you want. That's Prague. Prague. Yeah, sorry. Prague. Sorry to interrupt you. So that was 
like that's gnarly because you've got like three days of qualifiers and you're just like, okay, heat 497, dropping in, Thomas Vinter, Richard Turi. Like you're just like, oh my Have God, you- when is this going to end? And I'm so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you, come here. And then, then like I just grab someone and they come over. And that's how I met like loads of like the European guys. Ah, uh, yeah. They'd just be like, I'd just get them to come and talk to me and like would just do stuff. But then I'd get there early and skate and people would be like, oh shit, you actually skate. You're not just this fat bearded dick on the mic. Like you, you can actually skate. So I'd just be like, cool. Like people would be like, oh, okay, cool. That's, that's fine. That's, that's great. So then, yeah, I started doing all the Red Bull stuff. And um, obviously that just led on to everything I'm doing now and, then I've known Ed Lee for a long time. He asked me to do the Olympics um, and said he didn't want to do it with anyone else. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's do that. And that was great. And then, yeah, like started doing all the world skate stuff. So pre-Olympics, like pre-COVID, I was doing all of the um, world skate MCing for all of their events. So the first one I did, had like 38 hour trip to China, got up in the morning, started MCing and I'm like, Oh, this isn't the little comp I thought it was. All of the biggest names in skateboarding are here. And I'm like, shit, these guys are, they're going to think I'm a fraud. They're just, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, do I be a dick? Do I rip into them? Do I take the piss? And, or do I do this really seriously? So I decided to do a little blend of the two. I started seeing how people like reacted to it. I remember one night afterwards, we were at this little bar on the complex we were at. And Ryan DeCenzo came up and he's like, that today was amazing. Thank you so much. Like, it was really funny. You know, all the tricks and you know, all of the history to all the tricks as well. And it was great. We all stayed and watched all the other rounds. Like, it was really good fun. I was like, cool. Okay, cool. There's, but he's Canadian. So it doesn't really count. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But uh, yeah. And then other people came up and were like, hey, that was really good today. And started talking to, you know, Manny and all these other other people that are now like super big names or were super big names at that time anyway and still are. So kind of sort of met all of those people and hung out with all the judges that were doing all of that. And then that led on to, they asked me to be the, so, so there was me and Tim O'Connor. We both went out to Brazil, which was the last event before the Olympics at that point. Or no, no, it was the, IOC's demo kind of thing. So they watched us both MC um, and then they chose Tim O'Connor to do it all. They didn't want two MCs because what's weird is I, like everyone thinks I'm more transition background and Tim O'Connor's street background, obviously, but they had him doing the bowl and me doing the street. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. We both laughed about that, but um, we, we chatted about it and he was like, yeah, I'll do it if they want me to do it. But, yeah, like if you get it, that's cool. And like we we were just discussing it and they chose to, to just have one person and they chose him. And I was like, damn, man, I was going to go to the Olympics. But then they offered me the course manager job. And I was like, oh, man, that me, me feels like I've been demoted from a teacher to the janitor a little bit. I, I was like, no, nah, you're right. Plus, I've just been asked to do the live stuff for the BBC. So that worked out really well. And um yeah, that's kind of put me in the position that I'm in now. And then Worldscape were working with Red Bull for their live broadcasts. And I started doing the 
the world championships and stuff like that, the final qualifier before the Olympics, before is that uh, what well, you do with Sam? Middle of lockdown, huh? Is that what you've been doing with Sam, or is that something else? That was prior to that. So okay. that was me and Alex White and Chris Pastras. Yes, we I remember that now. Trio doing so that, cool. and that was in uh, Rome in between lockdowns. So when we got unlocked for a bit, we all got sent these diplomatic passes and all this stuff to go and do this Olympic IOC sanctioned thing so that everyone could get points to actually run the Olympics. Cause at that point there hadn't been enough going on. So they chucked like literally crowbarred in this last event. We all went out there and did that. And we did the broadcast with Red Bull. And then I'm not sure what happened with Red Bull on, on that side. I think the, I think they're still in negotiations to be doing something. I'm not too sure, but um, World Skate started doing it themselves and they just asked me to be the main guy. So I was like, yeah, cool. So that's where I'm at now, like doing, I just did the Dubai World Championships and then I'm going to be doing all the stops on the WST, like the World Skate Tour all this year. So Argentina, Rome twice, Switzerland, Hopefully Japan and then back to Dubai in January. Wow. So amazing! I can I can yeah. think of anyone better to do it. You've always been an inspiration to me, and and I think that the way that you've just brought through about the fact that you have to adapt because I've emceed some small town, you know, um, competitions and open days, and I've been a little bit loose with it. But then you start getting like things that are a little bit more like parent friendly and you've got to try and mix that up and i think from what i've seen of your stuff with the olympics and red bull it's amazing that you're still managing to inject humor and not just be this bland oh that was a front side kick flip to board slide like you're putting in some <laughs> emphasis on humor along with ed lee because i remember listening to that one uh, i i think that rounds it up quite nicely the last question i've got for you um so that we're bringing it into like the 40 minute mark and then i've got questions for you uh, final, a really cheesy question, but final uh, question to you is like the future plans. I'm assuming you must have some future plans. Yeah, I do. I do. I have some, <laughs> some plans. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take over the world and start running things properly. Do things properly. Not have people <laughs> living in debt all the time. You know, be legit. Not be have different interests in things. Nah. Uh, Plans are just I want to I want to continue doing the presenting stuff. I want to expand on that. Um, I've got a couple of other things I'm working on in the background, which people will find out about soonish that aren't presenting, but that are supporting skateboarding and skateboarders. Um, there's a there's a number of things I'm working on in the background, um, but mainly it's like becoming a little bit more free and easy. So, you know, I'm. I'm I've um, got a load of gigs coming up this year, live presenting, MCM ones and stuff like that. So I'm going to be pretty busy doing that. Um, but I'm just going to be diversifying a little bit on what it is I do and using my knowledge and my kind of position in the industry, I suppose, to be able to help skateboarders more and make sure skateboarding is protected a little bit more. I think that's that's about where I'm going with it at the moment. Yeah, nice. Nice little roundup. All right, I'll get into the questions on Instagram. First one is in from Gavin Swaffield. He's Sorry, asked, mate, I've got to do something else now. <laughs> oh, go on then, go on. <laughs> I thought you were being serious. Anyone watching that back is going to see my there face There you go, drop. exactly. That's what I was saying earlier. Are you, are you serious? Oh, well, I've got I, the, the video that I posted on my skate line 
when I was interviewing you, obviously I st I'm still like looking up to you. This was back in the Vans Park series, and I still look up to you like, oh my god, it's Mark Churchill. And I remember asking you to do that video and I couldn't work out whether you were being serious or joking. I was like, I think he's joking. He just said that I smell like dog shit. I think he's joking. <laughs> Rule of thumb, I'm always joking. Just go with that. Uh, that, that thankfully, that's how I took it. Uh, right, we've got Gavin Swaffield's question. And this is brilliant. Swaffy, I was boom, boom. Swaffy, did he ever find the Holy Rail rad? I mean, did the guys ever find Animal Chin? I don't, you know, I think it's a, a forever, forever voyage. Yeah, but it was round the back of Asda, just rusted and <laughs> someone had like levered off the jewels off of it. And other supermarkets yeah, are available. Yeah, pissed on it a little bit. And I mean, it was only made out of loo rolls, so it was really <laughs> soggy and horrible. Um, Hopefully, yeah, I, I would love it if Annie Evans was like, no, I've still got that. It's in my loft. It'd be amazing. Or if it's just on display somewhere in Sunset Environments, the production company, like in the, you go in their main entrance, there's a glass like cabinet with that in it with spotlights. That'd be amazing. Been made digital. But, yeah, no, no, I didn't find it. And that's you're missing the point. If you're searching for the rail, you're missing the ride. Uh, old old school pools. The next question: Who is the worst travel companion on your recent trips, and why? That's an awkward question recent trips i can think of old ones uh recent trips i mean i travel on my own a lot like you know from my flat to the train station airport back you know like that but i don't know sam bruce was a bit annoying the other day we were in dubai we had like a load of us in a taxi way too many people in a taxi and she was just picking at things and wouldn't sit still yeah she was a bit annoying but that's sam's i think that's sam's uh usp isn't it only kidding sam <laughs> shout out to sam i probably need to get her on actually Habgood's next in it's not a question oh. but can you can you let him know he's still at uh i'm not sure i can say this but see you next tuesday with a little emoji thumb up we've got a little thing that we send each other that all the time not so much lately but we used to send each other that constantly just a quick message to let you know you're still a person that's next tuesday see at the end yeah joe hinson thanks joe another joe joe hinson's sent i didn't even know you could do this on instagram i'm starting to show my age he sent like a picture response i don't know whether i don't know if you can see that my camera definitely can't. Right. Oh, no, it can't. Okay. Yeah, so let's get the focus back on my bit. camera. Uh, it says, oh, I've lost my phone. Is it true that if you, <laughs> is it true that if you water Mark's head, it grows hair back? Uh, it grows back, if, sorry. If it, if it was, sorry. I'd very much like it to be like that, but no, not for a very long time. No. Maybe I need to get like, you know those adverts that come up on Instagram for no. See, as soon as you go past forty, all of your adverts change. Like Facebook feed on the side, like Instagram feed, it starts going for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, um, fitness, all these different things. Like 
acid reflux tablets and all these different things. It's like, Jesus Christ. But maybe I should start clicking on them actually and get myself sorted out. <laughs> all of those things need addressing. At least you're not getting random ones. I, can't, I can't often see Ben Powell posting, why have I got this? And it's something like a cat litter holder or something. And he's like, why am I getting this? I haven't even got mm. a cat. Habgood's got another I like the one. ones that you get from Wish, where you're like, is that a sex toy or is it a utensil that would change my life? Like you don't even know. You're like, what even is that? Why is it there? Wish is a really good I've one. I've got a cupboard full of that shit now. <laughs> Habgood sent in another one, and it's, a, it's actually a, a, a serious question this time. Any more Andy Evans videos in the pipeline? I, I I would really, really hope so. I keep sort of telling him about ideas I have for skits and for other different silly things that I'd like to do. And um, I don't know, I'd like to see at least one more. I'd like to see a video of the new generation of skaters all in there filming proper sections. But I'd like to see some of the characters that we've got in UK skateboarding having a little bit of time to shine. And because that's the thing with Andy Evans's videos, you get a very clear picture of who people are through their video section and what they do and how they how they are. And I think I think that's kind of missing a little bit in a lot of media. I mean, you see it you see it from Instagram, but some people are quite serious on their Instagram, and yeah. people use Instagram in different ways. Like they're like, no, like this is for legit skateboarding or whatever. Um, and it would be good to see like a, you know, a DVD on the front of a magazine. Skateboarder's Companion, write to Andy Evans and say that you want a DVD on the front of your next issue, and it's or not the next issue, but an issue, which is a new video offering from Andy Evans. And Andy, if if you want me to dress up silly in Piccadilly Circus, I will. Just one last time. I'm I'm up for it as well, Andy Evans. Just to give myself a shout out. Um. I couldn't agree with you more as well. I absolutely love the character within skate skate videos. Another really serious question from Sean Goff, who says, oh, "Do you God. think do you think snakeboarding could make it into the Olympics? As an ex UK champ, would you make the team?" Of course, of course. No, no, I don't think it could. I think if it did, the Peter Stringfellow of snakeboarding, Sean Goff, would be there with a pole to dance on he would be there with bells on his nipples for sure definitely <laughs> next question Loz Brophy has sent in have you ever thought about shaving that beard and gluing it to your head as hair there's a few hair comment digs coming in isn't there a lot of people caught up on this beard jealousy and this hair issue um let me no no, I haven't. That would be ridiculous. I'd look like Hitler or something, wouldn't I? Maybe I should just shave all of this off and make a little comb over somehow. No, I haven't. Um, I still do have hair. I just chop it off. There's just not much there. But I mean, the last day of school, I shaved my head. So like, and then on and off, I'd maybe have long hair, like this long, every now and then. But I've always had a skinhead, basically. Like, a lot of a lot of this. My look. Yeah. Oh, that's an I, odd one to focus get on. Get into the beard. The beard's lovely. It's the condition of it. I still you can smell it and feel it from there. Like you'd just be in awe of it. 
It's no, true. Some people say it glows at night. I wouldn't know I'm asleep. Los Brophy's also sent in a question saying, this is another fixation that people seem to have. Is Jake Anderson really one of your children? You seem to look very similar these days. Ha ha. Um, I spent a bit of time down there as a kid. He could be. Could well be. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, we do get on. Hmm. It's a good rumour. Let's go with yes. Let's say yes. Jake Churchill Anderson is my child. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Big Fat Mush has sent in, why does Mark, again, another one. Why does Mark Munson look like he should be your dad? I love it that completely by coincidence, you've got two family genetic questions, one after the other on Instagram. Uh, we are a big family, though, aren't we, really, to cliche it up? Uh, I would love Mark Munson to be my dad. I'd either be a quivering mess in the corner or the most successful human being to have ever walked the earth. Um, you know, back in the day, there was Mr. Motivator. You should put up a little video of him doing his thing in his leotard. But Mark Munson is the original Mr. Motivator. I did the best trick I think I've ever done because he was shouting at me and I didn't even have a clue who he was. So yeah, I was at urban games and I'd been doing this wall ride. Me and Howard Cook were doing this wall ride. There was like two quarter pipes and a huge wall ride with Sprite written on it. And I was, I'd learned front side Ollie, like land on the wall and yank it off into the flat bank. And I kept doing it bigger and bigger. And he started shouting, do it into the other fucking quarter, you mug. And I'm like, whoa, who's this dark dude? This bronzed Persian bear stood up there, whoa, like that, puffing his chest out. I'm like, holy crap. Um, proper Essex lad. And I did it a couple of times. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Get into the other quarter pipe. And I, I think I tried it once. And then I was going for it again. And everyone stopped and started screaming because he was screaming. And then I did it and everyone went mental. And I still think that's probably one of the, gnarliest things I ever did but it was because he was shouting at me and I was like I better do what this guy says you know I think he dyes his hair black he, he looks intimidating he looks like a Chippendale and he looks like he might accost me in a sexual way if I don't so I did it yeah do you know what that's how I got to know him and then he was like you should come to America with us and I was like who the fuck are you i'm really scared <laughs> of, of one of the skateboarding personalities i've never met him actually he's a what? big character he's a big character oh he's brilliant yeah he's brilliant he's a soft I've, little teddy but he's absolutely amazing I've, Very swapped, I've swapped over the instagram accounts you've got two more questions kahart the final boss which is probably the biggest british oh. meme account coming out of the uk now we're talking has asked Ask, dare I say it's the same question as earlier. Ask him about the location of the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail or the Holy Rail? He's put the Holy, oh, yeah, I can't read. Holy Rail, sorry. The Holy Grail's in my loft in uh, <laughs> Shirley in Southampton. I just, it's up there with the original copy of the Bible, actually. Should probably get them on eBay. But yeah, back around the back of Asda, isn't it? Around the back Covered of Asda. in piss. Around the back of Asda. Final, around the final back question. of every Asda. Every Asda. <laughs> You've got one near you. It's there. 
Right, there's one in Perth in Scotland and there's one in Newquay as well. Final, final question coming in from Beagle's Bees response. How long, I, I really like this one. How long did the red paint take for the portrait of sidewalk interview lols? I think he, I think he meant to put how long did it take to get, to get off? Uh, a while. I remember we drove home and I had like a Slayer t-shirt all over print Slayer t-shirt on and my hands and face were black. We were driving home, me and Jerome, we'd been in the middle of the woods in a suit painted red with horns super glued to my head. And yeah, I think that that was a few washes to come off. It took a while. Yeah, that was gnarly. A very but red I think bath. It, it came out well. It was good. But what was worse than that was I think the following Halloween or maybe the Halloween after, I went out dressed similar to that because I had the horns still. So I put them on with the costume glue that we used and I walked into town to the local pub and I got there and I, I was putting on some music, DJing. I wouldn't say that I ever DJed, but I just put, played some tracks after the other. And um, I got there and they sweated off. So I phoned my friend Russ and I was like, hey, Russ, and he's a carpenter and he had, he's got all sorts of tools and glues and things. I was like, can you bring some really good super glue with you? So, and he was, and I didn't tell him why actually. And he was like, yeah, okay. And he brought it and he gave it to me when we got there. And I was like, right, cool. And I went into the toilets and he was like, and I came back out and I had these horns stuck on my head. And he was like, no, please tell me you didn't just do that. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're an absolute idiot. And I'd super glued these horns on my head. And I remember being in the bath stoking at like 5 a.m. trying to get them off my head. I pulled one of them off and I just had no skin where <laughs> half of this one had been. So it was just this bit of my skull showing. And I was like, I can't do that to the other one. Like it was gnarly. So yeah, they took longer to get off that time. Did you go to sleep with one horn then? I think I did, yeah. And then I think it came off in the morning when I had a shower or something. Like so dumb, so dumb, but yeah whatever they just kept falling off and i was like well i want to want them to stay on for the night so yeah super glue do you have photos from the night it wasn't just like normal super glue it was like industrial proper like heavy duty silly crazy super glue so I, yeah i got that from the fact that you've lost half your skin did it did, did you have you got photos from that night yeah somewhere somewhere oh, i need to see those raw photos of of that night for sure. Amazing. And I don't look concerned at all about them not coming off for some reason. <laughs> I remember once when I came out, I think Russ grabbed hold of them and went like that. And I was like, whoa. And like it pulled up the skin on my forehead. And like he was like, you're an idiot. You know, they're not coming off. And I was like, oh, yeah, be all right. I'll sweat them off. <laughs> idiot. But yeah, like that, that shooting that thing for sidewalk was great because like Jerome got into it and he was like, let's do this portrait. And we just went out to the the forest near me in Southampton into the new forest and just painted up, like put the suit on and everything and just started doing photos. And he had different jellies on the um, lights and things so he could make things look different colours and that. And yeah, that was great. That came out quite well. Didn't have a beard back then either. Should have super glued a beard on. <laughs> I think a lot of the that questionnaires would have liked that. 
Yeah. Did you ever get that stupid, silly super glue beard off? Right, uh, that rounds up uh, the, well, the first, probably hopefully, of more podcasts with yourself because I did have a few more notes to write down, but I want to try and keep them in the, the hour to hour and a half um, area. Sure. And I hope I haven't, for the listener, fanboyed out too hard because I am a massive fan of yours, Mark. And, you know, hopefully people have listened to that and I really do uh, respect your like worth e- work ethic and, you know, your history within skateboarding. So thank you ever so much for your time this evening. Um, My pleasure, I, I, mate. I apologise to the listener. At the beginning, for some reason, there was a bit of an issue with the connection, but hopefully people have got through that fine. I'm only mentioning it at the end so people aren't fixated on that at the beginning. But since since Midway, it's been brilliant. So... Thank you ever so much, Mark Churchill. Awesome. Thanks for having me, mate. Have a good evening. And you. See you next time. Here Let's I do it again. For sure. Definitely. Thanks, Mark. My pleasure, mate. Take nice care. Nice one. See you, mate. Bye. Cheers. Wow. <laughs> I always say wow. Mark Churchill has been an inspiration of mine with Christian Stevenson, the Dirty Sanchez lot, the Jackass lot. Anyone with... with personality in skateboarding I thrive on and Mark Churchill has always been one of those that I've looked up to since I started skateboarding so thank you ever so much to Mark Churchill for being a part of the wine club and giving up a couple of hours of his evening this evening hopefully everyone really enjoyed that episode as much as I did I'm sorry that I fanboyed out but Mark Churchill is such an interesting character uh, and someone like I say I really do uh, look up to and and inspired by every day throughout my skateboarding and trying to do things like this podcast. Hopefully next episode we've got the Flat Spot magazine editor, Tim, who's an, another person who is an absolute hero from the Netherlands. Uh, thank you for listening. Episode 11, peace and love, the wine club. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yeah. Yes, sir.